Welcome to Third Tuesday Conversation, a monthly podcast that focuses on the ministry of faith formation with children, youth, and families in ELCA congregations. Our goal is to engage in conversations that strengthen and empower your ministry world. This podcast is produced by the ELCA Youth Ministry Network. I'm Adam Butler. I'm Danica Olson. And I'm Elizabeth Pedersen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Third Tuesday Conversation podcast. We're happy to be with you today. I'm especially happy because I I was going back and forth about saying this on air or not, but the twins just won last night and we're very excited. Very, very excited. I just have to say that. Uh, But I'm also excited because we are joined today by Katherine Anderson, who um, hopefully you all is a name familiar to you all. She's been a part of this network for a very long time, but um, started in a new role this last March as the director of the Formation Co-op, which is a new initiative of the ELCA Youth Ministry Network in partnership with the ELCA. And we are so excited to learn a little bit about what you've been up to and what you're working on and thinking about all the things. We can't wait to hear from you. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you for being here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to great to be here. So for those of us who don't know a ton about what the Formation Co-op is and the purpose of it and what you've been doing, can you just give us a little overview of what the Formation Co-op is? I sure can do that, yeah. So uh, last year, the uh, Lilly Endowment has been having an initiative called the Strengthening Congregational Ministries with Youth Initiative and invited the ELCA to make a proposal into that. And what Lilly is really looking at is new frameworks for ministry in order to nurture faith in young people and to engage them in congregational life. Um, I was pushed back a little bit on the the term of frameworks or or models for youth ministry because I just don't think that we, there is any model for youth ministry. But they're looking at that overall picture, knowing that we are in this time of great transition and great change, where uh, ministry in as it was in the past uh, is no longer effective, efficient. Um, uh, what we're looking at, and so trying to find different ways of of doing that. And so in the proposal that the ELCA put forward was to do some really deep listening uh, into what the different needs are and to uh, find some different frameworks and and provide resources for congregations. We took that and made it a little bit different, uh, not tremendously, but uh, we're starting with a small group of congregations to learn from them, to experiment with them. And, uh, uh, and then to keep growing it beyond that place, we look at the co-op as a collaborative. Uh, uh, we talk a lot about being co-creators, co-learners, uh, that we're in this together. It's not a hierarchy by any stretch of the imagination, but everybody has their place to, to be and to, to work with that. So, well, I hope you figure out all the answers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so super do, nice. It would be really nice. <laughs> how do congregations, how do, how will, how have congregations gotten connected with the co-op? Is it like application? Yeah. Uh-huh. So so we we um it'll be an expanding piece. This first year we have a group and we we did it through applications uh, because we really want a diverse community uh that we can learn from. And so I had applications um the uh, vision that is in place for the co-op is to root young people in a lifelong transformative faith in Jesus Christ through life-giving communities. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we have put into place with this is is how do we how do we provide communities around young people? And I think of the co-op a lot as 
the image I often use is of a playground. And you, know, you think of going into a playground that it's a place to gather where everybody belongs and everybody gets to play. Sometimes I'm the one teaching the games and then you're learning the games from me. Sometimes you're the one that's learning the games or teaching the games and I'm learning from you as well, but everybody gets to play in the midst of all of that. And so what we really wanted to do this first year as we're building this out is to find a group of guides that that uh, come alongside our congregation teams. Uh, that And the guides were through an application process to look at and not that they have all the answers because there there is no answers. We're all learning in all this together. Uh, but they're walking alongside the congregation teams. They've been there are couple steps ahead of time, ahead of it we we equip them and train them to, in a process uh, for learning for the congregation teams and then we have 10 congregation teams that also applied and it's it it was looking at a lot of diversity. We have an incredibly, out of 10 congregation teams, uh, a lot of diversity. We've got rural congregations. We've got urban inner city congregations. We've got staff led. We've got volunteer led. We have uh, two uh, Latino congregations that are Spanish speaking. We've got an African-American congregation. We've got I can't think of what else, but that within 10 congregations, we've got a really, and geographic diversity. They're from all over the country, from West Coast to Southern to, to East Coast to Midwest, um, two-point parishes that we'll learn from, uh, a whole lot of different ones. I know it's probably been hard to distill like an entire uh, Lilly Endowment application to a one page on, a, on the ELCA network page, but it seems like one of the key components of maybe the beginning of this process with these congregations is uh, listening. I see the word listening, deep listening happening mm-hmm. a lot uh, on the in the explanation of this initiative that you're embarking upon. Can you talk about what listening is going to look like and why that's such an important thing for the, I don't know, is it the beginning of the process or just like all throughout, like why that's such a key component? Yeah, yeah, it all begins with listening. And we know that from from so many other research that that listening is the basis of everything that we do. And so we have a I I, I look at it as a circle and it's a four-step process and it begins with that listening. And how do we listen? And there's there's several steps of listening that we have as well. Uh one is uh with our teams, with our guides, with the congregation teams that we're working with, taking time to listen to why why are we in this? Why are what are our stories? What are what are we bringing to it? And then it moves on to listening to the the congregation and the community. And so, looking at who are the different voices that we need to hear from that works with young people that are connected with young people that are passionate about young people. And the stories, the kind of listening, the framework that we've developed that around um, is is four different areas. The first is to talk about our stories of youth ministry. What is our what is our why, and what are we looking at with that? The second one is to listen to to the realities of young people and our culture as it is right now to really name those and and know that things are changed and to but to not assume what those are but to listen to what our young people and adults I have going on and then one of uh, the third area that we're listening to is for congregational assets and assets means enough and how do we how do we take a look at our congregations have enough and and to name the ones that we may not even be paying attention to in that process. And then the fourth one that we're looking at is who are the partnerships, either current partnerships that congregations have or potential partnerships within the community. So taking a, a lot of time, we'll be spending the, the first several months with our congregations simply sitting in that listening space there right now our guides are with our congregation teams teaching them that process they'll be listening in the the communities and then when we get to we'll do a training 
where we'll bring all the congregation teams and guides together right prior to the extravaganza, and they will spend time listening to each other. Um, so, so you get the expanse of the co-op collaborative um, piece. And I think there's so much power simply in putting people in the space together and to hear each other and to learn from each other, as we all know, in ministry is so important. What is the, well, this is a twofold question. How long is the grant or the whatever, this is a a Lilly grant, I assume. Mm -hmm. How long is the grant period? And are there other phases to how you'll do this? Like from what you'll learn from this first phase, will there be a re-up? Is there a hoped for outcome? Like there'll be a deliverable at the end. Tell us about sort of the trajectory of the process. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a Lilly Endowment grant. Uh, is a million dollar grant over four years, which sounds like a ton of money until you, until you start putting the budget together. And I'm significantly short every year, but we'll make it, we'll make it happen nonetheless. And in those four years, uh, yeah, so we'll be growing. So this year we're starting with 10 congregations, five guides, and the plan is to add add guides and congregations every year um, until we reach 50 congregations. Uh, and and that that is the hope within this four years. And then the plan is how during this time can we make this a st- sustainable program that we have as well. And so in that process that we have, it's it's listening. Uh, and I, I started with that. But then the, the other pieces of that is, is how do we learn? Um, so in that circle of things, first start with listening and then learning. You're learning from that listening. You're learning from the, the communities and the groups that you listen to. But we're also providing training and resources. Um, we're pulling from existing research. There's been so much research recently that we don't need to recreate the wheel. But how do we help make that into bite-sized pieces? Mm-hmm. Is especially for volunteers. One of my passions for this is that it it not become something for staff-led congregations. Not yeah. that staff-led congregations can't learn from that, but we know 80% of our congregations are volunteer-led, parent-led. And so how do mm-hmm. we how do we equip those leaders for the time that we're in right now? And so they'll be learning, and that's the the there's training at the extravaganza to help the congregation teams move forward. They'll put together a ministry plan during that time. And then they'll go home and they'll implement that plan. And, and we talk about bold experimentation. How can we try different things? Learn from that. I expect 90% failure in all the positive ways that we will learn what works, what doesn't work. And then there's a huge piece of this that's evaluation. So paying attention to what's working and then sharing that with the wider community. Uh, one of the things that we're developing right now are trying to put together as a communication platform that not only those that are intentionally part of the co-op formally as, as a congregation team or a guide, but all members of the network and the wider ELCA and anyone who cares to show up can be part of that conversation to to really learn from each other. So it'll be that continued rotation. There'll be resources that are developed that will be provided for, for everyone. And then hopefully it becomes a self-sustaining program. Cool. I love that. I think there's so much uncertainty and so many questions, not just in youth ministry, but in ministry in general. And so I know a bit about your leadership and feel like you're the perfect right fit to lead this as like a non-anxious presence to pass out the peanuts and keep smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right? Like, I I just think it's an anxious time in ministry. And we all are wondering 
together collectively, <laughs> trying maybe not to panic, but some do that better than others. Um, so I'm thrilled that these big questions and like this forward thinking is led by you in the in the way that I I just love how you lean into questions and how um I, I mean I guess I'm just repeating myself how non anxious <laughs> you are in in the way that you lead and so I feel like I have faith I'm kind of a skeptic sometimes about I know weird what? <laughs> um, I know um about ways that we try to innovate, but actually we're just putting lipstick on pigs. And this feels like um, an authentic, but also a really curious opportunity to not just reinvent the wheel, but actually to like wonder if wheels are necessary. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Danica. I, I, um, I never do this without a team of of leaders and I'm surrounded by an amazing design team that also helps keep me grounded into that curious listening uh, that we have. But it is curiosity for this times. I I laughed. You, you said, I'd love to have those answers for, for what we're after. And, and I, I realized in the first month in this position that half of my position is just to manage expectations. There, there, there is no, after four years, we will not hand you the package, uh, but we, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I do hope that, that as a community, uh, the power of gathering people together in the same place and to be asking questions and to wonder together moves us forward. Um, I was telling the guides at our training last week that the resources we're going to put together are fabulous. The listening process that uh, Rosella put together for us is amazing. But I think the greatest power of this is that we have people showing up and and giving them permission to be asking questions and and to wonder and to look differently. What we are talking about is is really it, it's not a program, it's not a curriculum. It's it's how to think differently about ministry. How to how to stop where we are, stop, get off that hamster wheel, and and just wonder where are kids showing up, and and to pay attention to what that means, hmm. and to just and to wonder what it means to be a faith based organization. And and to remember that we are a faith based organization and not the YMCA or the or a club or some different piece like that. And it's interesting. It was some of you might remember this June we we were sending out a link through Springtide Research to take a survey with adults. Well, just last Thursday, Springtide gathered those of us who were part of that together to to reveal all the stats. And I'm not going to get the numbers completely right, but the one that really struck me the most. So they looked at adults who are working with young people as volunteers, as staff, as whatever. And then they also asked the same question of young people, thirteen ages 13 through 25. And one of the questions was around, what do you value? And then putting statistics around that. And the jaw-dropping for me statistic was adults ranked that young people value religious transformation. In the ELCA numbers, it was at about 6%. So adults saying only 6% of adults said that young people value religious transformation. On the youth side, it was, and, and this is the number I don't have quite accurate, but it was around 85 to 95% that that's what they're wanting out of our congregations. In and the yet ELCA? we don't, 
in the ELCA. And or the, the youth number is an aggregate number. It's it's across all 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 ages, but but ELCA numbers were super low, as were aggregate adult numbers as well. That that and and they kept saying through the presentation, what they kept hearing in the research is young people want to talk about faith. They want their faith-based organizations to talk about faith. They can get the belonging and the identity and all the other pieces from other organizations, and they need that as well. But from our churches, they're looking for a place to talk about faith. And my hope is in the co-op that this becomes a place of figuring out different ways of how do we how do we do that in this current culture and for the young people that are in your midst, which is going to look different in one community as compared to another community. I guess I'd hope also that this would be a eye-opening thing for those adults who answer those questions those ways, right? That if we're actually listening deeply and intently to what's being shared through this process, that like maybe uh, our adults who feel as if this younger generation has just completely lost all faith and all connection to church and kind of make assumptions about what that means for culture and society and for their their lives that they might discover something different about what our young people actually feel and desire and need for their lives that would be mm-hmm. that would be a really wonderful result even if you don't come up with the perfect program to implement uh through this process that maybe some of the intangible things will be a, an eye-opening experience for communities of faith that have made assumptions about who believes what and how they believe and what's important to their lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's something I see very frequently from the intergenerational conversations that I have with people is that I regularly riddled with assumptions about young, younger generations specifically, but it's, I mean, it goes the opposite way also, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's um, a lot of people have made up their minds about what young people need and want. And uh, that, those statistics that you just shared are just one glimpse into how that's completely untrue. Yeah. Yeah. Assumptions are, yeah, it is. And that's why you start with listening because it forces you to, if you, if you, if you're listening well, it forces you to stop and set aside your own way of thinking and to, to, to see where young people are and then also, and their families and, and to really understand with curiosity, what is, what is faith formation look like for families these Mm. days? And, and that it, and to, I think the more listening we do, the easier it will be to let go of our ways of how we've always done youth ministry and to, to find new ways to step into that. Yeah. I'm curious about the, you had talked about, you know, the questions that people are asking. And I know that you've, you've been in youth ministry for a long time and you've, you know, you've been in synodical leadership and you've been a part of the network and you have a depth of experience and with, you know, in the new, this role that you have, you know, you have the opportunity to listen in um, new, new ways too. I'm just wondering what you're hearing about what questions people are asking or what you're, what's piquing your interest as you, uh, listen to the people in all the ways around you lately. Yeah, I, I, I um, it's a great question. Uh, yeah, I, we haven't had a chance yet to hear back from the listening that's happened in the congregations. Um, I, I, I hear all the things, and 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 what what has been interesting already is even before we have started the the listening in the congregations. So we had these ten congregations that were chosen that rose to the top 
I hate to say it like that. We had 55 applications for congregation teams. I thought we'd be going into this without, you know, like we'd have to beg, borrow and steal to get congregations yeah. to sign up and invest of that. So we, so we, we look for all that diversity and, and these are congregations that we're all in. And already you're, it's like, oh, we can't, we can't get youth to show up to be on the team. We can't, how do we, how do we work around the schedules? How do we, we do all of that? And so it's, I'm not excited about that, but I'm ex- I am I know that that we are learning from real situations and and the questions that come up of how do how do we I think deep down leaders really do want to get at those faith questions, but how do we how do we get people to be in the space where we can have those conversations and I'm not talking about just showing up at youth group, but how do we how do we gather people in order to have have conversations around faith and to live out their faith? Yeah, I I, I don't have a really great answer for no, that's um, and it's probably because I've got so many questions that that <laughs> they just kind of all get stuck in there. <laughs> okay, your own questions then. What questions do you want answered, Catherine? How do we do this? How do we <laughs> how do we move forward? How do we how do we think differently? How do we um how do we not fall back on how the ways that we've always done stuff? I don't know if you heard uh, Todd Bolsinger when he was on the Oasis a couple of weeks ago. I, I I really resonated with what he talked about how you have to train people to think differently. And he used I think he used the analogy of of you know fighter pilots where they have to go through so much training to let go of how their instinct works so that they fall on the training when they get into those those places because when we get into crisis we tend to go back to what we we've always known and i find myself doing that all the time even in this job where i it, it, and you have to you have to f- stop yourself physically from thinking in old ways and moving in old ways and and um and how do we hold each other accountable to that to to continue to to think bigger mm-hmm. and differently how do we make space for for the spirit to show up how the spirit wants to and not how we want the spirit to be moving things mm. yeah i could keep going yeah, I imagine that has a lot to do with the conversations you have around managing expectations, because to an anxious and uncertain church, when you talk about expecting 90% failure, that sounds like what? Like, what? <laughs> like you expect us to fail with 90% of the things that we we do in with this just like really good intention, like you're going to, these people, these congregations are going to do more work than I think most congregations are doing around this and even, and having better conversations and listening deeper and then expect that them to fail 90% of the time. That sounds wild, but also if we are not just innovating for innovating sake, and we're not just trying what's safe and what has always worked, if we're not trying to work our way back to uh, some peak moment of youth ministry gone by, that number starts to make a lot of sense. It still kind of makes me anxious as someone who sees the sees this work the same, like sees this effort the same way that you do, Catherine. But like, I, talk a little bit about what, like how you help set people up for those expectations and what kind of conversations those look like, because that like that sounds that sounds even more anxious and uncertain <laughs> than I think I'm that I think I'm really ready scared. for. But yeah, but but I think I think it's good. I think that's I think that's it. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's permission giving. <laughs> like I haven't sure. looked at the congregation teams and they're probably going to listen to this going, what do you mean you have to fail 90? Uh, no, it, yeah. it's, but, but it's giving permission that that's okay, that that's expected, that, that you're not less because of that. Um, it, it, that you have to, um, you're mastering new skills, you're mastering new ways of thinking. I remember when a friend taught me how to, to windsurf, he looked at me, he says, you have to, you have to fall off 3000 times before you're actually going to get this. And on the mm-hmm. first day I did it at about 15 hundred times. And I was a little, and maybe not that much, but it was a lot. Um, and that that's really what it is, is how do you, how do you keep working at that muscle? Because the flip side of that is you might fail and I'm making up that number, but the number I'm not making up is whatever you're doing a hundred percent of the time we are learning from that. And, yeah. and we are celebrating that God is showing up in the midst of this and letting go of that. This is not about us. This is not we are tending this ministry, but this is God's ministry mm. and and coming back and remembering that place as well. And I have to remind myself of that all the time as well. And we're flexing new muscles and we're doing it and 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 a lot of grace um, of of what we are doing because we're doing it. The hardest part as a leader is is like you were saying, Adam, you think this way, you're all a hundred percent for it, but you're returning to a congregation that has a huge chunk of people that that don't understand the bigger picture and don't see that. And so to, the grace is that we take one step here, we take another step another day, we do, we do what we can and trust that God is in front and the Spirit is moving it much more than we are and not to get ahead of that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we won't hold you the 90% number, but I think it's purposely... <laughs> Like it made me pay attention. And I think that's a good thing. I think it it gets the point across. Like what you're saying is that mm-hmm. the expectation here is that you're not going to succeed right out of the gate. And yep. if we're actually moving toward what is needed and it is as big a shift as we all think that it is, then a number that big or, or 80 or 70 or whatever it mm-hmm. is, a number that big should kind of be expected because mm-hmm. this is the kind of shift that needs to happen in youth ministry and really ministry with the whole church. And so I, I mean, I think it's, it's scary and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've caught it. And I think part of the, you know, what what I really appreciate about Lily is they really want groups to learn from each other. And that's why we're trying to develop a, a platform that people can share their, their success air quote stories, uh, but they can also share their, Oh man, i blew it and this is what went wrong and then we can all learn from each other and and not do the comparison bit where it looks like everybody else is succeeding wonderfully and and you're the only one that's that's failing in it that we are we are all trying to figure it out and we're all learning and every day has has something to teach us we have to end our podcast episodes with what you the guest would like other people who are the audience to hear but I have a question that's maybe twofold because I think this nimble and flexible idea of ministry that we're, because I think for senior pastors and councils who are interested in the bottom line and how are we tending our resources well, what's the message to council people, youth ministry teams, and senior pastors about the current state of youth ministry and how they support what's happening, even though it might appear to be 
failing, flailing, <laughs> uh, or barely surviving. I, I mean, I, I don't know what, what words I want to use. So I think that's my first question. And then when you've, when you've answered that, because a little bit, that'll be easy. Um, <laughs> what, what do you want the network of listeners to hear about working with young people right now? Good luck. Well, those are two big questions. If I can even remember all of them, Here, here's here's my first reaction to your first one. And I I'll be honest, I kind of was thinking about my response as you That's were fine. talking. So this might not be, but when you're talking to bottom line people, I guess I would. There's a part of me that my initial response is I'd flip that question and ask them, "What is your bottom line, and why is that your bottom line? Is it just about numbers?" Mm. Or is is this, are we are we fulfilling our baptismal promises and pulling out the ELW or whichever you use and go, are are we helping our young people? Are we rooting them in faith? It, it, it's that vision of the co-op. Are we rooting them and grounding them in a faith that will be lifelong, mm-hmm. that will be transformative, which means for me, means when they show up, and I always pick on the school cafeteria or the hallways on Monday morning after they've been at a retreat or confirmation or whatever, does this change who they are? And are they, are, do they have a deeper identity? Do they have a, uh, do they feel God's call and their purpose in life uh, and, and living out their faith and caring for their neighbor? Cause that's the bottom line that we are after. And, and how are we tending that and, mm-hmm. and, and to invite them into listening into some of those listening sessions and into into hearing for themselves. Where are the kids, young people these days? Where are, what are the realities that they and their parents and families and schools and others are facing? Mm-hmm. And, and then to stop and say, what are the assets that we are bringing to this? And how can we be better partners in ministry? And for our adults who are working with young people, thank you. Mm-hmm. You are enough. And you are, you're showing up and you're letting uh, the spirit be at work through you is enough. Mm-hmm. And we will move forward together. We don't, none of us know the answers for what comes next, but we know that through God, we are enough. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me part of this. We can't wait. Uh, I think we'll probably invite you back to tell us what you have been learning and um, the listening you've been doing. So stay tuned. We'll continue the conversation. I would love that. Thanks so much. Great. (laughs) Before we go, here are a few quick announcements and reminders. We encourage you to visit connectjournal.org. Connect Journal is the network's online journal. They've changed format recently. So now new content is being released every couple of weeks. The articles are deeper dives into important ministry areas. The journal just released an article about doing ministry after a natural disaster, focusing on a congregation and community in a community devastated by tornadoes. Visit connectjournal.org to see what's being put together for you. Extravaganza 2024 registration is open. The dates are January 18th to the 21st in New Orleans. The theme is Dream, and it'll be a great event. Visit ext24.org for more information. Pay special attention to this year's intensive care courses. They're going to be really good and really helpful. One focuses on doing ministry with young people who are LBGTQIA+. Another is leading strategically during unpredictable times. And the third will be how to have a great youth gathering. They're all great and will be a fantastic opportunity to dive deep into important subjects. Register when you sign up for the E.
Thanks to all of you who are members of the network. Your membership makes things like Third Tuesday Conversation, our mobile app, Connect Journal, Discipling Cohorts, and Extravaganza, and so much more possible. If you're not a member of the network, we encourage you to join. If you are, double check to make sure that your membership is up to date. Thanks so much for listening. New podcasts will be released on the third Tuesday of every month. Be sure to subscribe so you receive them as they come out, and please share it with your friends. Finally, thanks to Paul Amlin, the 3TC producer, for his work. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Bye.